And so today I want to give you the fourth um, message. And the title of this message is Victim versus Victor. Let me give that to you again. Victim versus Victor. I believe it's a relevant topic for our church right now, especially in our day and age, because as believers, as Christians, God has done everything possible to give us everything that we need pertaining to this life and the godliness. And so whenever things happen to us or around us, can I tell you that we adopt it as something happening to us? Could it be that it could actually be happening for us? That's a different way to think and that's a different way to live. That's living by faith and not by sight. So whatever's happening in your world, we could, even, we could either have a victim mentality, or hear me, a victor mentality. A victor mentality. And so, haven't you seen that oftentimes, especially in our spiritual journey, we hear people, people that we care about, we see them as superhero Christians, right? And they talk about what it means to live the victorious Christian life. And we may admire these people. We may look up to these people. We, we may watch these people. But I want to fill you in on a little secret this morning before we begin. There's no Christian in the past 2,000 years who has victoriously or let me say it like this who feels victorious every single moment of every day and that should be good news for some because some of you came in here just worrying about what kind of Christian you were <laughs> some of us are worrying how are we doing on the totem pole of Christianity but you have to understand today that there is no Christian in the past 2,000 years who feels victorious every single moment of the day. Matter of fact, I believe that church should be a place where you are okay with being vulnerable. Religion won't let you be vulnerable. Religion makes you fake it till you make it. But in a grace context, in a grace church where love compels, do you know that there is less fear in being vulnerable. Maybe that's why Jesus said, perfect love casts out all fear. Because once you understand and you experience fear, you can be vulnerable. You can be you, even with all the junk that you have, even with everything that you've dealt with, you can, you can bring it. And isn't that like Jesus? That you can feel safe with Jesus no matter what is happening in your life? Why is this important? Because we all have issues. All of us have issues in this life and we're wrestling with things in this life and maybe issues for you may be, you know what, a certain temptation that keeps getting the best of you. What, what if your issue today is a kind of unhealthy distraction vying for your attention? What if it is a fear that never seems to quite go away? What if your issue today is, you know, some kind of dysfunctional relationship that needs to be addressed? Whatever it is, listen, 
there's categories for issues and, and what the enemy wants to try to do is rob your victory. See, here at Calvary Church, what we believe is the victory has already been paid for. The victory has already been won. It's Jesus Christ, and Christ completed the good work for us. Now, you and I, all we do is receive it daily. We receive it. But what happens is the enemy tries to rob you from the victory that you've been given. And that's his greatest tool that he could ever use on you. So as we begin the day, come on, take your right hand, place it on your heart. Come on, just imagine Jesus for a second. Imagine everything that he's done, the grace that he's given you, how far he's carried you. The love that he has shown you on the cross. and Man, all the good things that he has done for you in your life. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, repeat after me. Eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a mouth to confess. All of the good things Christ has provided for me. Come on, if you believe that, give Jesus some praise, will you? Well, I'm glad that you're here today, and I believe that we are growing in grace, which means that we are maturing in the gospel. I talked about something about last week. I, I mentioned this, is that people want discipleship. The church wants discipleship. We want discipleship. Why do we want discipleship? Because we want to know how far we've come. We want to know. We want to see it. We want to know. How many of you guys ever wonder when your parents would measure how high, you, how, uh, or how high you've grown, right? Your height. Every year, every year, my parents would put me up against uh, one of the walls, and right there they'll mark it. And every year I would inch higher and a little higher and a little higher. What, what was the purpose of that? That was to see how much I have grown from the previous year. In the same way, isn't it like us? We want to see how much we've grown. We want to see how much we know. We want to see how far we've We've come and how far God has brought us, right? We want to see these things. So in our day and age, it is important that we focus on discipleship. But hear me, discipleship is being, is gathering around the good news of God's grace. Because the deeper that we go in God's grace, can I tell you, the more and more you're growing in your knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's actually accomplished for you. I like to say it this way, that you get to see how much he actually took you out of the equation of salvation. You had no part to play in it. You didn't go to the cross. You didn't pay the price. No, he did. He took you out of the equation. Matter of fact, the new covenant is based on a promise by God made to himself not you making to God, but God making a promise to himself, and he's kept it. He's kept it. And so that's what we celebrate. But hear me when I say this. Discipleship is important in our day and age because right now in our society, our generation is being characterized by victimhood. By victimhood. And I don't know about you, but... My parents, they taught me 
that there is a difference of being a victim or, or I'm sorry, a victim versus a victor. And can I tell you, these are one of the stronghold mentalities that we have to deal with. A stronghold is a mindset. This is why I shared with you just a few moments ago about this mindset that we have. If a thought comes into your mind, take it captive. Take it captive. And some of us have these strongholds that are set up in our minds and we can't push past them because we can't see the fullness and the completion of what Jesus has done for us. And so what we do is we put ourselves under the burden of work, under the burden of work in, 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 in the name of our salvation. But hear me, that has been paid for and you and I freely get to receive it today. So this stronghold that we're talking about is something so evident in our society right now. It is. I'm talking to people almost every day, every day. People having a victim mindset. Now, hear me when I say this. There are some situations where there are real victims. But then there are other situations where it is a mindset and a pattern. And what happens when we have a mindset? It becomes a habit in our daily lives. And then Jesus came and he saved us from our minds so that we would take on his wisdom, his mind, and have a victim mentality. I read an article this last week, an online publication called Healthline, which made note of the fact of victim mentality as predicated upon three important things. A focus on bad things that can happen to you. Anybody ever do, deal with that? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the second thing. Blaming other people for our situations. And then here's the third thing. That we believe that there's no point of trying to change because, hey, it's going to fail anyway. That's having a victim mentality. By the way, church, does that sound like faith? That sounds nothing like faith. Nothing like faith. Those thoughts aren't encouraging. They aren't edifying you. They aren't reminding you who you are in Christ. They're not pointing to what God believes about your future. Matter of fact, they're, they're faithless statements. And, and while a victim mentality isn't a formal medical term, it's rather easy to spot one when we see it. But how many of you know that it's hard to spot it in our own selves? <laughs> we don't see it when we have it. Now, again, hear me, it goes without saying that the collateral damage of living in this fallen world means that there will be times when bad things happen, when bad things happen, right? No fault of our own when bad things happen. What are you talking about? Things like, you know, you lose your job all of a sudden. Things like you have an unexpected illness that you have to deal with, a loss of a loved one, being attacked or assaulted, right? Maybe, maybe a deep betrayal from someone you love and trust. But hear me, because even in the wake of those things, even in the middle of those things that are unfair, unjust circumstances, the gospel has the power to rescue you and I from a victim mentality, meaning that we don't adopt it as our identity and we go back to what Jesus knows to be true about us. And that's good news because the victory is yours. 
And so when it comes to having a victor mentality, there are two major realities, okay? We're going to talk about these, these web th- th- this morning. Number one is this. The difference is either having an orphan spirit or a spirit of sonship. A spirit of sonship. We could either have an orphan spirit or a spirit of sonship. And never ceases to amaze me how many of us fail to understand and walk in the true spirit of sonship that Jesus has already paid for you and I. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a son. What does that mean? That means that God's going to take care of it, and he's going to take care of you. I see it all the time as a pastor, and I have to admit, I've been guilty of falling into this mindset myself. So I'm not pointing any fingers, but I do believe, and, and I do have a desire to point all of us, myself included, to the truth of the matter found in Christ Jesus. And let me clarify this for just a second, because when I say the word orphan, it isn't meant to disparage or insult anybody. I'm not suggesting that orphans are less valuable somehow. We know that God values every single person. So when I say orphan, hear me, I'm simply pointing out some of the characteristics that are common in people whose parents have either died or abandoned them, leaving them as orphans. Matter of fact, if anybody has felt alone in their spiritual walk, that is a case of an orphan mindset. Listen to Jesus right here. He was spending his final hours with his disciples before he went to the cross, and he made this statement, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, and before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Orphan, sonship. Now, Jesus packs a lot, right, into these words right here. And the disciples, they couldn't understand what was about to happen. They didn't even know why Jesus was saying these words, but but they heard it, right? And and he would begin to live, Jesus was painting the picture that he would begin to live on the inside of them, not beside them. Because all the disciples knew at that time was, hey, Jesus, our comfort, the place where we can find some refuge He walks with us, not understanding that in just a few days, right, that Jesus was actually going to be living on the inside of them. And so as the disciples listened, hear me, you know what came over them? And here's what happens to us whenever we find ourselves in a difficult situation. Fear and abandonment. Fear and abandonment. Whenever you face a situation where you are confronted with fear and abandonment, hear me, hear me very closely, maybe that's a place where you've adopted the orphan spirit. But Jesus comes to reassure. He comes to reassure the disciples. He comes to reassure us of his Father's love. And in Jesus, we find courage. We find security. Not in the situation, hear me, but in his presence. In his presence. 
in his presence. You know how you're going to overcome, believer? Do you know how you're going to overcome? You're not going to find security. You're not going to find peace in the situation. You're going to find all those things in God's presence. And isn't it interesting that God goes with you? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. He goes with you. He goes with you. But in many ways, I got to admit, I feel like the disciples. I relate to the disciples. Listen, my parents did their best to point me to Jesus growing up. But somewhere along the way, maybe you have a a similar story. I developed an orphan mindset that was rooted in fear. And even though there was blessings in my life, even though there were good things in my life, hey, there was some struggles, there was some challenges, and I could easily see myself as a victim. And often I'd see the good things in life as just temporary or arbitrary, and I would say things like this, well, this will never last. (laughs) You know, this isn't fair. Does anybody care? You know what that's called? That's called a topsy-turvy Christian walk. <laughs> that's an up-and-down roller coaster of emotions. That's an up-and-down roller coaster, your journey. And listen, I don't believe that's what God intended for you. Now, I'm not saying that you won't have trouble in this life. You can have trouble but still have joy. You can have trouble but still have peace. You can have trouble and still have love in your heart. That's what God promised us. What I'm telling you is that when trouble comes, you don't have to be impacted by the emotions that you feel, meaning that as Jesus is consistent, so can you. You can be consistent. And so what God began to show me is I began to grow in my experience of his radical grace. Over time, the Spirit showed me that I don't need to live my life uh, counting uh, uh, the ways people hurt me or I don't always need to question people's motives because of my own cynicism about their intention. I don't always need to be self-focused, right? I don't, I don't need to always allow comparison to come into my life and rob my joy. Listen, God continues to reveal to me that I don't have to live that way anymore and I can live as a son in his kingdom. Now check this out, because right here, the disciples, after Jesus goes to the cross, they find themselves in the upper room, Pentecost Sunday, and the Holy Spirit comes in, and the Holy Spirit reveals truth to them. And they begin seeing themselves the way God intended them to see themselves. And they begin to walk this out, this gospel. They realized that they were royal children. They realized that God's love was increasing on the inside of them. Meaning that this, they felt secure. They felt confident. They felt bold. They were willing to take risk for the sake of the gospel. 
And hear me, you and I can do that too. And there's going to be a point in your journey with God's grace as you continue to gather around the good news of God's grace. There's going to be a point where you do things outside of yourself and you think to yourself, wow, I'm, I'm actually doing this right. I have enough courage to do this right now. This used to be a risk six months ago. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. So listen to this. An example of living with an orphan spirit. What's an orphan spirit? Here it is. I'll give you one. Living from a sense of lack. So check this out. This is something that the team put together to describe this for you guys. Living with a sense of lack. An orphan spirit. All you do is take your lack and you try to fix your issue. But you're doing it from a place of fear, worry, and impatience. Orphan spirit. But in the contrast to that, look at this right here. When you realize that Christ is in you and you are in Christ, listen, whatever problem, issue that you face, you just have confidence in what he says is true. You have security in him and you have abundance of his blessings. But look what happens. You begin to walk that out in faith. You see the contrast there. You could do one or the other. You could either approach your issue with fear, with worry. You can approach your issue with impatience. And that will be self-effort. And that's you trying to fix it. And it's all about you. And it's all about you. And you feel when it's all about you because you feel the failure, you feel the pain. But listen, look at the contrast of that. When you walk in faith, just knowing that Jesus is going to provide what you need, that the grace today is the grace that you've been given, but tomorrow he'll give you the grace you need to whatever you, whatever you face, and you walk in faith. Look at what that produces, security, confidence, and abundance in him, in him not in yourself, but in him. Welcome to sonship. You're in his kingdom. You're in his kingdom. Okay, real quick, I got to go with number two. How do we overcome a victim mentality? Well, we have to know the difference between our kingdom versus God's kingdom. Our kingdom versus God's kingdom. So when the apostle Peter wrote his first letter, he was addressing believers who had fled persecution in Palestine. And we're seeking refuge in, in safer places. And these people felt like exiles, meaning they were kicked out, uprooted. They were banished, right? Because they literally were in the physical sense. But Peter had a galvanizing message for these people. And listen to what he reminded them of. He reminded these people of their identity in Jesus. Right here, 1 Peter 2, he says this, but you are a chosen people. Identity. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Listen to this. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy. And if you're glad for that, come on, give Jesus some praise. 
So think about this scenario for just a second. Peter is calling these people that were exiled to walk in their true identity while living in a multicultural environment where the forces of authority were not friendly or sympathetic to their faith. Does that sound familiar? See, I, I believe God wants us to ask the same questions today. How can we be a royal priesthood? How can we be a holy nation? How can we be God's possession and declare his praises who, who, who which he called us out of darkness? How can we be that church? Well, we know that Jesus came full of grace, full of truth. He didn't come 90% truth and 10% grace. He came 100% full of grace and truth. And that's what he walk, want, desires us to walk in as well. It, but hear me, in our polarized society, I'm afraid we see more Christians despising those who they disagree with than loving them. And we don't have to agree with people. Not everybody. We don't have to agree with people to love them. Jesus certainly didn't agree with many people which he was surrounded by, but he he loved them. He cared for them. He prayed for them. And he loved them to death quite literally. He went to the cross. But what concerns me as a pastor and a father and someone who pays attention to what's going on around us in our society is that we're losing the younger generation who see us living with an orphan mentality instead of living and loving like Jesus did, like sons of God. Because can I tell you, I got stake in this church. You got stake in this church. We all have stake in this church. And listen, I'm not suggesting that somehow we lower our standards or even change our policy positions just so we can get along. Jesus never compromised truth. But what he was able to do was he was able to love to the utmost without denying his personal convictions. And I think we can follow his example as we rely and trust in the Holy Spirit. I mean, hear me when I say this. What does it say about our grasp of his amazing grace if we cannot have calm, respectful conversations with people on the other side. Let me ask this question. Are we earning the right to be heard? Are we earning the right to be heard? If 2020 showed us anything, it showed us that it's easy for humanity to fight. <laughs> But, but I, be see, I believe we see a greater picture in Jesus because in Christ, he calls us one. We're united. So are we earning the right to be heard in people's lives if we are viewed as people who always think that we're right, are never willing to engage in humble conversation and look no different than the world in the way we treat others? Are we earning the right to be heard?
the more and more that I, I, I see this gospel, this message, this grace outpouring into our city and our community and our families, can I tell you, it's not pointing a finger at somebody. It's letting someone in. It's embracing someone. But here's the point. This is all the brutal honesty evidence of what it looks like when we forget whose kingdom we truly belong to. Think about that for a second. If we have divisions based on political parties, society, ranks, income, whatever causes division, do you know we're focusing on our kingdom rather than God's kingdom? Because God's kingdom declares and promises unity, love, peace, and differences where they can be embraced. So hear me, because the Apostle Paul gave us some incredible instruction in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 14, verse 1 says this, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Now listen, I used to read this, and I used to say, you know what, the weak, yeah, the weak, the weak, and I used to point out those weak Christians. Now hear me, the weak aren't the people most of us expect A weak person, in Paul's mind, in this context, isn't someone who is indecisive for Jesus. In this context, it is someone who is rigidly dogmatic. It is someone who is legalistic. It is someone who is staying in the box. It is someone who is self-righteous. And we are all to accept this defiant demanding person with kindness instead of wrath we think they may deserve welcome to the narrow road romans chapter 14 8 through 10 continues paul says if we live we live for the lord if we die we die for the lord so whether we live or die we belong to the lord for this very reason christ died and returned to life so that we might be the lord of both the dead and the living. Verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with content? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Some things are far more important than being right, church. This passage, listen, treating people with content is to despise them for what they believe. Romans 14, 17 Continues, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If we put any levels to this, there's no levels, but hear me. If you want to see the progression of you growing in grace, here it is. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it is righteousness. What do we preach? That God made you righteous and when you receive that revelation guess what comes next peace (laughs) and because you have peace what follows that joy you want to know how you're listening to a true gospel yeah is it bearing righteousness from that is it bearing peace and from that is it bearing joy 
You see, when we value God's kingdom over our preferences, we join Jesus in praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it already has been declared in heaven. And listen, listen to what Romans 14, 19 sums it all up. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. So I'm going to tell you like this, that it takes effort to be a peacemaker. And these are important times, not only in our church, but in our society, in our country. Our witness is at stake. People are now defining what the church is like based on these issues, based on whether we see it as it's our kingdom or God's kingdom. Because hear me, when Jesus called us to be light, he wasn't commanding us to shine a spotlight on every possible that we disagree with when Jesus calls calls us to be salt in the earth he didn't mean yo be salty toward others there's a purpose please hear my heart on this I'm not suggesting that we water down any convictions that we believe to be biblical Jesus cared about and lived by the truth more perfectly than any of us by far And yet, without ever compromising his core convictions, Jesus interacted with people who were radically different than he was. And don't get it twisted because we're not saying principles are not important, but what we are saying is that God has a purpose for principles, and principles are for the purpose of protecting us but not punishing us. Because people can throw around principles all day long, but there's no Jesus in it. People can throw around principles all day long and try to fix you, but if there's no Jesus in it, it doesn't matter. Listen, they're there for to protect you, not to punish you. So listen, friends, we're not victims, we're not orphans, and ultimately, we're not of this world because you're from a far greater kingdom. We may live in this world. We have a temporary, secondary citizenship in this world, but we are ambassadors of an altogether other kind of kingdom, and that's God's kingdom. And some people... Hear me, may be listening right now, and you may believe that America is going in a positive direction, while others may believe that it's going in a negative direction. And I'm sure all of that, uh, uh, I'm sure that all of us are grateful and thankful for the freedoms that we do have, that we do have, right, in our republic. But let's be honest, every kingdom of this world is ultimately, according to the Bible, an expression of Babylon. America may be a great land, hear me, but it ain't the promised land. America may be a formidable kingdom, but it ain't the kingdom of God. You are in this world, but you are not of this world. So the bottom line to this, hey, don't get comfy. Don't lose sight of who you are and whose you are. 
Because everything down here is a distraction to get your attention on issues and problems and self and what about me and what about my future and let me take care of me and let me not love. I'm not giving this month. I'm not serving this month. It's all about me. But hear me, don't get too comfy here. Never lose sight on the fact that you are a son and a daughter of God's kingdom. That citizenship is worth way more. It's an eternal citizenship. Remember that you represent a kingdom that is not of this world, but definitely for this world. You were saved from something, but also you were saved for something. And you have purpose. (laughs) You have purpose in this world. And God has given you everything so you can walk it out and he'll reveal it and remember that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only solution to the ills of our society whether it's fascism or racism from police brutality to anti-police sediment from drug abuse to violent crime from homelessness to prison reform whatever it may be the gospel is the solution the gospel of Jesus Christ his death burial and resurrection the gospel of Jesus Christ now living on the inside of you the gospel of Jesus Christ declaring that you are close and you are near not far not distant the gospel of Jesus Christ declaring that you have been made righteous this means that you got right standing with God that gospel is the only solution to the issues that we face in this world there is no other antidote there is no other fix so when I hear things like this the love of Christ compels me Paul's on to something and when I hear him say I resolve to know nothing but Jesus and him crucified. That word resolve there, you have to understand that word resolve comes with a little bit of a story. Because when you resolve something, when you resolve something, that means that you were questioning some things before. This means that Paul came to the end and said, I don't know everything, but I do know one thing that I'm going to keep looking at. Jesus and Jesus crucified. So all these other things out here that may cause friction and fear and insecurity, I have to remember that I'm not an orphan in this world, but I'm a son in this world. So I'm going to keep my focus on Jesus and him crucified. Because if he was crucified, then he's alive. And if he's alive, then I'm alive. Can you put that screen back up there again? Thank you. Hey, you have issues. You got problems. Will we apply principles? Or will we apply faith? Will we see the person of Jesus? Will we see him as we approach the issues and the challenges of this world? Friends, let me tell you this. There is a kind of Christianity 
where you can remain consistent, where you can remain growing, where you can be better than yesterday. There is a kind of Christianity where guilt and shame is taken off of you and replaced with security and confidence in Jesus. There is that kind of Christianity. And Jesus represents that. Everyone who's tired, come to me. If you're weary, come to me, and I will give you a real rest. I'll show you how to get your life back. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. I won't lay anything heavy on you. I love that he invites us to a life like that. With every head bow, every eye closed in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your kindness, your peace that you provide. I pray for my friends this morning, and I thank you that we were able to see a glimpse of Jesus this morning. Your grace empowers and your grace In your grace, there is fullness of joy. Meaning that today we can be in the present knowing that you are going to provide. Not only for today, but for tomorrow. And so Jesus, I thank you for my friends. And I thank you that they are victors. They're not victims. They're victors in Christ Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.